Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Hello, hello, and welcome to the Animal Files. Happy New Year, everybody, and may 2022 be the best yet. Today, we are going to talk about New Year's resolutions and your pets. If you remember two weeks ago, we talked about setting resolutions for your pet along with the resolutions for yourself. So how many of you did that? Well, if you haven't, this show is going to help you make one. So let's start with the question, do you even make New Year's resolutions? Well, I think most, I at least I, I get the impression, I, I can't, can't say most because I don't talk to everyone, but <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but I get the impression that New Year's resolutions seem to be important to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's this idea of a new start and let's try to do something differently or better than the year before. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also some people who don't see the point in it. I think that term resolutions tends to feel very heavy to a lot of people. Yeah. And I think it has to do a lot with what people think a resolution has to be. Good point. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because it seems like it tends to revolve around these big, massive changes. Oh, I've got to lose so much weight this year, or I'm going to lose so much weight this year. I'm going to make so much money this year, or I'm going to exercise this much more. Usually it ends up revolving around changing something they don't like about themselves. That's what I've noticed. Yeah, I think I kind of ended up in that bucket years ago. Mm -hmm. But recently I started to change the word. Instead of saying resolution, I've been saying intention or focus. That is a term that we can bring, especially when it comes to our pets, Mm -hmm. is what is our intention moving forward? What do we want to focus on? Mm-hmm. As far as the life of my animal, the care of my animal, and even so my life or your life or whoever's life is making the intention and then moving towards the small manageable things that we can do and not make the term so heavy. Mm-hmm. Even small changes make a difference. It doesn't have to be something really, really drastic. Mm-hmm. And small changes can be beneficial for both you and your animal. They can be very simple yeah. and it can just be one thing. It doesn't have to be multiple things, you know, just be 1% better. Yeah. You know, we've got a bunch of ideas here for you and you might come up with some other ones after you hear some of the things that we suggest, just pick one thing that you feel is manageable. I mean, if you feel like you could do more than one thing, great, but just choose one thing that is not going to be difficult to maintain. And don't be hard on yourself if you fail, because you can always start again. Resolution does not mean it has to happen or an intention or focus, whatever term you want to use, it does not mean (laughs) that it only happens in January. You can refocus, you can make new intentions, you can make new resolutions every single day. Just get back up again. Mm -hmm. So be kind to yourself, everybody. You're not going to be perfect. And if you expect perfection, you're already setting yourself up to fail. So just one little small incremental things that you can manage that could make 2022 better for both you and your animal. Mm -hmm. What are some of the suggestions that we can give them? Let's give them a whole bunch of ideas. (laughs) The first category that I thought we would talk about a bit is general health of your pet. What could you do to potentially improve the general health of your pet? These can also create a benefit for you as well. Mm -hmm. So one idea is measure your pet's food. How many of you, when it comes time to feeding time, you just fill the bowl and don't really take into consideration how much food your animal is actually getting? This can lead to a lot of health problems. One, the calories may be too much. You have to take a lot of things into consideration. How active is your animal? What is their metabolism like? Is the food that they're getting ideal for their current health situation? 
as well as maybe their breed and size and all of these kinds of things. A lot of food packages will give suggestions on how much to feed an animal. It's always too much. (laughs) (laughs) These companies, they don't know your individual animal. They don't know specifically what your animal needs. So the only way you are going to get a clear picture is by talking to somebody who is a professional in animal nutrition. Mm -hmm. You can also observe your animal. Some animals just don't eat a lot. Some animals eat too much. So you use that as your gauge. If your animal is not very food motivated, you don't need to put a lot of food in the bowl. Mm -hmm. So keep it small. But if they will gorge themselves, then maybe pull back a little bit so they're not getting so much food. Mm -hmm. Use your animal as the gauge as well as talking to a nutritionist. Like we say, every animal is an individual. You can't blanket a certain feeding requirement on all animals. You just can't do it. So pay attention to your animal's behavior. Talk to your vet, talk to a nutritionist and kind of use everything to gauge what's best. My cat, not very food motivated. So I don't really have to worry so much, but I also know that if I put too much in the bowl, I waste a lot of food. So Mm -hmm. what's the point? Yeah. Well, and going along with that too, it's a good idea to get an evaluation from your veterinarian to make sure that your animal has a good body weight. Mm -hmm. You know, you may not think that your animal is overweight, but our views can be skewed. And the challenge can be that if the animal is overweight and then we start decreasing the food, this is where it's going to be harder to maintain a resolution because animals who are used to getting a certain quantity or unlimited quantity of food and suddenly they're not getting that quantity, they're going to essentially complain. They're going to be trying to get you to give them more food. Like three-year-olds. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to stomp their little paws and say, but mom, (laughs) I also want to add too that if you do need to decrease the food that your dog or your cat eats, make sure you do it slowly because if an animal loses weight too quickly, they can have liver issues. Mm. So you want to do that slowly. You want to avoid fatty liver disease because the cat's body is still going to be filtering out all this stuff. And where does it go? It goes to the kidneys and the liver. So do it slowly. Don't just go from a cup of food down to a quarter cup of food overnight. Mm -hmm. The other side of that is if you decrease it slowly enough, maybe their body won't notice as much. They're getting less. It gives the body Mm -hmm. a better chance to adjust to the smaller quantity. Mm -hmm. But you also want to make sure that you're not over treating your dog Mm -hmm. and your cats. When they're losing food in their food bowl dish, don't give them more treats. And be aware of what kind of treats you're giving them as well. Absolutely. Yeah. The healthier the treat, the better. I know sometimes healthier treats can be a little bit more expensive, but if you are saving money by not feeding so much, you can distribute that money Mm -hmm. and get something that's a little bit healthier. Yeah. Many of those store-bought treats that you get for them are extremely high in calories Mm -hmm. and very low in nutrition. Yes. And full of preservatives, artificial colors, and flavors. Mm -hmm. So it's much better if you can try to make something at home, have something a little more homemade, or do your research and look for companies that focus more on the healthier kind of treats. But don't just look at what they promote. Don't just like, oh, we we give healthy treats and believe that. You need to look at the ingredients and understand what is actually healthy for your animal. Yes. I just came across a company recently that I thought was kind of interesting. They create bone broth for cats and dogs. Mm. When I read up on their site, they're aware of the fact that a lot of bone broths have ingredients in them that are not good for animals, which is why they don't recommend buying it at the store because they're often made with onions and garlic and other ingredients that are toxic for animals. They do talk about what's in it, but they say that their bone broth is very simple. They don't put, add a lot to it but it's supposed to have a lot of healthy benefits for your animal. That's something you could look into. Hmm. Good to know. 
<laughs> All right. So what else outside of diet? What's somewhere else that we can do like that 1% change? Well, perhaps if you do not groom your animals very much, then this might be something to consider. Now, I think a lot of you who have long-haired animals, particularly dogs, or have shaggy coats and sort of need to get trimming around the eyes and ears and all that kind of stuff. Plus, you know, other grooming needs like anal glands and nails and stuff, you might take your animal to a groomer's. But a lot of grooming you can do yourself. It'll save you money. It might take more time, but it creates a lot of benefit for your animal's health. And it also gives you the opportunity to develop a stronger bond with your animal because you're spending some quality time with them. Yeah. And if you think about animals, both cats and dogs, how do they connect within their own little community? They groom each other. Mm. So you're deepening that connection that you have. You're deepening that quote unquote family bond. And you're also building your animal's trust. Mm -hmm. sit on the couch with your animal and comb them while you're watching TV really doesn't take a lot of extra effort and you don't have to do it all in one shot. Mm -hmm. If you have a really fluffy dog, work on a shoulder and then the next time work on the other shoulder. You know, it's a, like it doesn't really have to be a lot of work. You don't have to do the whole dog or the whole cat from top to bottom every single time you groom them. Mm -hmm mimic the animal mm -hmm. see how an animal is like i watch my cat all the time and when she had her brother they didn't groom each other for 20 hours they groomed each other for like five minutes and they were done then they went to sleep so it doesn't <laughs> take a lot of effort right. you know, it doesn't it really it doesn't take a lot of effort but it reaps huge benefits mm -hmm. for both and grooming doesn't have to involve bathing the nail trimming that you're cleaning, the teeth cleaning, but it can involve that. It can be just the basic brushing. And the benefits of the brushing is that it will help to reduce shedding. So if you've got a, an animal who sheds a lot, brushing them on a regular basis will help to reduce that. It also helps their skin and coat because it helps to stimulate the natural oils in their skin. So it's kind of like a massage and it's like getting the circulation, the oils, the lymphatics, all of that stuff going. And it gets distributed along the body so that they can feel healthier. Plus they're going to be more relaxed and it's going to have some mental, emotional benefits for them as well. So there's a lot of benefits to just basic brushing. Definitely. But if you want to go a step further, you can ask your veterinarian to show you how to trim nails how to clean their ears. And if you actually even wanted to go this far, you could even learn how to express their anal glands. <laughs> yeah. I let my vet do that. It's smelly. <laughs> but these other things are ones that you may have to work up to because if your animal's not used to those things, they may not be completely accepting of you doing that. Yeah. So it would take a little bit of work to get them used to that, but it is possible. Yeah. It's like if you're starting to get your animal used to they're getting their little claws clipped, even if you can only do a nail at a time, at least you got that. And then maybe next time you can get two. Maybe the next time, in fact, you can get a whole paw. And then eventually the animal gets used to it. I've always started my animals really, really, really little. As soon as their nails start to get hard, that's when I start clipping. Mm -hmm. And I clip every two weeks. But not everybody has that opportunity, especially if they get a dog from a shelter. It's not a puppy or a kitten. But little by little, you know, have your vet teach you. And eventually they will allow that. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, just leave it to the professionals <laughs> because you don't want to cause any injury if they're fighting you all the time. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. You know, we talk a lot on this show about exercising your animal, both mentally and physically. And that's another area that we can make those small little changes. Mm -hmm. So let's quickly talk about that. Well, first and foremost, the most practical thing is to provide regular exercise. And this isn't just for your dogs, it's for your cats, it's for your hamster, your gerbil, your reptile, whatever kind of pet you have, there is the ability to provide some exercise for them. 
it may take a little bit more creativity perhaps when it mm-hmm. comes to certain animals. I mean, granted reptiles are usually not overly active, but they still, you know, in the wild, they still do move around to some extent. Yeah. I've seen reptile owners actually, if they, if they have a good relationship with their animal, they'll throw grapes Mm. and then the animal goes and chases the grapes. Mm -hmm. It can be just that simple. If you have a turtle, you know, like a little tortoise, put them out, let them, let them wander around throw a grape or a piece of lettuce and let them go walk toward it. I mean, it's really simple, (laughs) especially if you know the animal. Right. And actually I saw a video on uh, YouTube with a tortoise, which really surprised me. They got a little kiddie pool for this tortoise (laughs) and they had a little house in the backyard housing area for the, the tortoise. And the kiddie pool was, you know, just a few feet away from it. They threw a ball into the kiddie pool. The tortoise literally came running out, jumped up into the, <laughs> uh, up over the rim of the kiddie pool. And it was probably like at least a foot high. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> so, you know, if they've got enough motivation and interest, they can actually be pretty active when they want to be. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, they don't need to sit in a cage all day long. But yeah, so it's just got to be creative. Mm -hmm. Know your animal, know the breed of animal, know the species of animal, and you can find ways to be creative in using their natural instincts as a way to get them more exercise. Right. Yeah. Remember that working animals that have been bred for herding or running or hunting or something like that are going to need a lot more physical activities than some of the other animals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the easiest is dogs. Just walk them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But trying to include the mental exercise, take them a different route, show them something new, take them to a park you've never been to before on a leash, just gonna throw that in. Unless you've got an enclosed area that they can run around on without a leash. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) If it's not enclosed, keep your leash on. (laughs) But yeah, trying a new route or a new location can definitely add that extra exercise both mentally and physically go a little bit longer if you're just used to walking around the block maybe try walking around the block a second time but do it in a way that is not overtaxing to your animal if your dog is already overweight they may not be able to go the second round around the block use your animal again as the gauge Mm -hmm. yeah you don't want to force them yeah Mm-hmm. Then of course you can always play different games. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that can be so much fun if, if you allow it to be, mm-hmm. you know, there's animals are usually a lot of animals are, can be very open to a lot of different things, especially when you can target their natural instinctual abilities. You know, we've mentioned before, Absolutely. yeah. Cause we've mentioned before that, you know, that cats like to do games that, trigger their hunting response or their um, predatory response and stuff. So, and sometimes with dogs too, and, you know, dogs like to dig, they like to search. And so there's different ways that you can find for them to be able to do that without them actually creating any damage in your backyard or your home or something like that. It just takes some research, takes some creativity. Mm -hmm. And you can use their nose. Say you got a Kong, fill it with peanut butter and hide it have the dog go find it Mm -hmm. and train your dog when you say go find it go find it and the dog goes and find it i mean that that's there you go exercise both mental and stimulus mental and mental and (laughs) mental and physical (laughs) there's lots of ways lots of ways animals are so easy to entertain Mm -hmm. you just have to put the effort in again though if you're going to use a treat in conjunction with trying to encourage more mental and physical exercise, make sure you're using a healthy treat. Yeah. Don't just use Skippy as a peanut butter. Get something natural. Get something healthy. It doesn't have extra salt, doesn't have extra preservatives. Or sugar. Yeah. You don't want that. Just be discerning with the treats that you use. And then, of course, there's always training. Mm -hmm. Training. We all like those fun games, don't we? (laughs) You can train both cats and dogs and birds and reptiles. It doesn't matter what animal you can train them. Mm -hmm. And it, it could be tricks. It could be 
just training a different behavior. You know, some of you might think that, oh, well, my dog doesn't need to be trained or my cat doesn't need to be trained or my cat can't be trained or, (laughs) but you know, pretty much every animal, I don't know, a fish might be an exception, perhaps. I don't know, but. uh... (laughs) Oh no, I've, I've seen goldfish train. Oh really? Yeah. They don't have very good memories, but you can train them to do something in the short term. Okay. Yeah. I I think if an animal has a brain, they can be trained to do something. Mm -hmm. May not be elaborate or fancy or an agility course or anything like that, but Mm -hmm. they have a brain. They can be trained. Yeah. I don't think there's any excuse for not training your animal. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's coming through pretty strongly. (laughs) (laughs) Some animals like fish, it's not going to be as much of a behavior issue if you don't train them, but it's a benefit in that it gives them some stimulation. They can be healthier. Absolutely. Yep. And they enjoy it. I think all animals can find joy in the little tiny things. Mm -hmm. They really do. And then you can consider starting a new activity or have a new adventure with your pet. I mean, it seems to be a thing now where there's these backpacks and carriers and stuff like that for not just dogs, but cats as well. So people are taking their cats to different places and... uh... Oh yeah, we're going to be doing that. We bought our first backpack. I'm going to get another one that's more closed in just to be on the safe side. But yeah, there's so many things out there that allow you to include your animals. Just be safe about it. Make sure you get your animals microchipped if you're going to be taking them out hiking or any of that stuff. Just make sure they're microchipped. Make sure you have all of their information and and make sure they're secured. Mm -hmm. Again, don't walk your animals off leash. Yeah. Just don't. Especially if you're going to be hiking in the mountains or uh, the forests or someplace like that, where there's a chance that they could encounter wild animals because, Mm -hmm. you know, even though they've got a lot of their wild instincts, natural instincts still, they've also been domesticated for a long time and they don't necessarily know how to interact appropriately with a bear or a moose or a wild cat or whatever kind of animal they might encounter. And their own curiosities, dogs particularly, their own curiosity often gets them into trouble. Oh yeah. There's tons of stories out there of people who thought, I thought it wouldn't be a big deal. And then they come home with no animal. Mm-hmm. but don't let that deter you do what you need to do to keep your animals safe just try things try new things include your animals into your life mm-hmm. somehow but yeah. but again be safe about it mm-hmm. you know and these are a few ideas that you can look at these are not by any means an extensive list but you could mm-hmm. try things like doga which is yoga and dogs combined. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like goat yoga. <laughs> right. And I've, I've heard that kind of done with cats too, except that I think with cats, it's more like the cats are in the room and they might jump up on you and stuff, but they're not actually doing yeah. any yoga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same with the goats. But a dog will probably mimic you. Yeah. And I've seen videos too, where people have actually trained their dogs to do yoga. And they're actually interacting with each other, which I think is really cool. That's neat. There's agility, you know, the agility programs that you can get them involved in, especially for those animals who tend to be really active and maybe don't get tired out from just going for a run or a walk. Um, These are the animals who definitely need to have a combination of the physical and the mental, Mm -hmm. such as like Border Collies and Jack Russells. You could get them involved in something like search and rescue. This helps to engage their natural abilities. You know, not all animals are going to be suitable for that. So I think you have to go through some kind of evaluation with your animal for that. But it is a possibility. Therapy, where, you know, you have animals who go to the hospitals or the seniors' homes or the hospice care places like this. And they help the patients or the people in those facilities to feel a little bit happier and maybe potentially help improve their health a lot because it's been proven that petting an animal can help with blood pressure and stress and all those kind of things. Yeah. But just make you go through the right channels because some of these facilities want you to have some type of certification or license for your animal. They want to make sure that the animal is of the right temperament. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go that route, go through the right channels, have the dog go through a course, 
and see how your animal interacts with other people on that level, because not every animal is good for that stuff. Exactly. And as well, there are some organizations that are not exactly reputable and they might claim that they will provide you a certain certification or something like that. And they just take your money. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they might give you like some kind of a piece of paper thing or whatever, but they don't actually do any kind of evaluation or anything like that. Mm. You know, so there's, there's definitely questionable organizations out there. So you want to also make sure that you are researching and evaluating the organizations that you look into. And if you have any questions, you can call, like say you have a family member in a nursing home and they do animal therapy on occasion, talk to the facility and see if there is an organization that they trust and maybe Mm -hmm. go to that organization to get your animal certified or licensed to do that. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Because then you don't have any doubts on whether or not what organization to use. Yeah, absolutely. Then of course, there's the easiest, easiest (laughs) way to get your animal to have more exercise. Play with them. (laughs) (laughs) Just have fun with them. Cuddle with them. Mm. Have them chase you around the backyard. They like that connection. Mm. And then I can hear some of you probably saying, oh, but my cat is so lazy. It doesn't want to do anything. It just wants to lie there all the time. It's like, I try playing with them with a toy or whatever, and they just look at it. Well, some cats are like that, but there are ways, even if it's just a mental stimulation, having a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. There's just so many ways. And, you know, my cat, she doesn't really play with us per se. She plays all the time with her stuff, but she just carries them around the house. So we just do an enrichment feeding. Hmm. Our version of play is when we feed her her freeze-dried raw once or twice a day, and we just roll it along the floor and she chases after it. Hmm. And that's the way that we give her a little bit more exercise. We give her the mental stimulation. Sometimes she'll sit there and bat it around and, and hunt it and do the little squat with butt shake and then jump on it. You know, I mean, there's a lot of other ways. Again, be creative. Mm-hmm. And if you have a dog that loves food, but doesn't like to move a lot, a puzzle feeder, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. They get their food, but they got to do something to get it mm-hmm. <laughs> and they can do it on their own. And the mental stimulation with feeding can be done in a more physical way or a more mental way, or kind of a combination of both. If they've got the puzzle feeder in front of them, they don't have to do a lot of physical exercise to get it. They have to use their mind. hmm but they're not getting much physical exercise. What you can do is, depending on the type of food that it is, because I mean, obviously you don't want to do with wet food, but you can hide dry food in different places around the house, things like that, because their nose is going to attract them. And they're like, oh, I need to find where this is because I can smell it. And that's- But I'm going to tell you, when you do that, do it in sessions and don't leave the food there for an extended period of time because then you're going to bring in bugs. Right. And it'll go rancid as well. Yeah. It'll go rancid. You'll bring in bugs. You'll bring in rodents. You'll bring in everything. So if you like we do when we are throwing the food to my cat and she's going around and chasing it, if she doesn't eat it, we go and pick it up Mm. and we'll put it in the bowl. It's fresh. She still eats it and it's not lying all over the house. And if it goes under the couch, we get it immediately. Put it in the bowl. Just clean up after yourself. Don't just leave it there. (laughs) And this maybe might involve a little bit of training as well, because if they're not aware that you've done this, they might not go about trying to find it. So you might have to Mm -hmm. sort of train them to learn a keyword. You know, you need to teach them what the keyword is related to. But then when you say that keyword, they'll know, oh, okay, there's stuff to go look for. Yeah. I mean, that obviously is going to take more, more work. Once they learn it and understand it, it's not going to be that difficult. Yeah. And I'm sure there's plenty of videos on YouTube teaching you how to train your dog to do stuff like that. Right. So see, there's lots of ways. There's lots of ways (laughs) to help with your general health of the animal and the general mental and physical exercise. Mm -hmm. Something to add to your little resolution slash intention slash focus list. (laughs) Now we're going to talk medical stuff. This is, it's one of our cornerstones. Have a vet in your back pocket. Make sure that your animal is taken care of on the inside 
as well as the outside mentally, physically, mm, emotionally. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that we can put a little bit of energy towards as far as medical well-being? The easiest by far is to make sure that you are scheduling your yearly vet visit. And if you schedule this ahead of time, then you can make sure that you are getting them in. At the beginning of the year, you can make sure that everything is hunky-dory. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The earlier you can find an issue, the easier it is going to be to treat them yep. and less expensive. And also gives you a better ability to help prevent health issues from occurring. Yeah. And it gives you a running tally of where they were like a gauge of, are they getting sicker? Are they getting better? It it gives that little gauge. So if they were healthy, say in February, but in April, they're not, then you know, something happened within those two months. Like you said, it's easier to catch. It's easier to treat and may actually save their life. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you can take them more than once a year, take them every six months, that's even better. The more frequent, the easier, again, it's going to be to discover if something is not quite right. And you know, there's actually a company that I just came across, which I think is really great. It involves a membership fee of 15 US dollars a month, but in the membership fee, it includes unlimited veterinary checkups. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I believe the name was Thrive Pet Healthcare. I think it's only available for those who live in the United States and maybe it's only certain states, but maybe that's something that will evolve in other areas eventually. And you have heard us mention this quite a number of times in our episodes. Think about having a health and wellness journal for your pet. I like that. Those of us who maybe don't like to journal very much might consider that to be overwhelming. And I get it. But consider the fact that if you're monitoring and you're able to see at a glance what is going on with your animal on a daily or weekly basis, or even a monthly basis, if that's all you can manage, then even without a veterinary visit, you'll be able to see if something is not quite right. If something needs to be investigated. We actually did that. We haven't quite found our system of a fully blown wellness journal for our animal. But what we do, we weigh them periodically. What happened is we were doing that and we noticed that there was a slight decrease in weight with Frankie. Mm -hmm. And that allowed us to be like, oh, we got to watch this. And then we did it again a few weeks later and he was a little bit less. And that's when we decided, okay, something's not right because he's still eating, but he's losing this weight. Mm -hmm. And we were able to get him to the vet. And that's when we found out that he had the cancer, but there wasn't much we can do because of the, of the type of cancer he had, but it was our signal that pay attention. Mm. Something is not right. And that's what we did. It really helped us be a little bit more aware as far as his condition went. Obviously, there's nothing we could do because it went so fast mm-hmm. and wasn't treatable. But keeping that journal of his weight was what helped us. So there's a lot to be said mm-hmm. about keeping a wellness journal, even if it's just simple, basic things it really is. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit of an intention. Like I intend to pay attention to my animal's weight once a month. Start there. Right. You could just pick one thing. And of course, if you do want to get more detailed, these are all the areas that you can consider monitoring. You could choose one of the things, you can choose all of the things, whatever works best for you. So you can monitor their weight, you can monitor their skin and coat. Does it seem to be dry or does it seem to be oily and greasy? How healthy does it look? You can monitor their eyes. Do they look bright and engaged or do they look dull and tired looking? You can monitor their food and water consumption. That's really a key thing because if you can learn how often they normally drink water, water is more important than the food part. If you can learn how often they normally go and drink water on an average day, and we're not considering like on really hot days or when they've been busy running around and that, just on an average day, 
how much water are they normally drinking? How often are they going to the, the bowl? How often are you having to fill up the water bowl? If you track that, then you can help to determine if they end up developing some kind of condition like kidney disease or diabetes or something like that. Although discovering that your animal might have that, you may not be able to reverse what's happened. But if you catch it early, then you can get a treatment that is going to help them be around for that much longer. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's what we did. We had one cat with diabetes. We were able to get her insulin and she lived quite a long time, very happily and comfortably because we paid attention to her water consumption. It was starting to get excessive. Mm -hmm. And so we took her to the vet. Then we found out she had diabetes. Same thing happened with all my cats who had kidney issues as they got older. But it gave us, again, that gauge. Where were they? Where are they now? Do I need to act? Mm -hmm. Or if it's consistently getting worse? That gauge is the important part. Whatever gauge Mm -hmm. you want to give your animal, that 1% you want to do this year, if you want to have a full journal, go right ahead. Have at it because your animal is just going to be better off for it. But if it's just one thing, whether it's food and water consumption, whether it's weight, whether it's just how the coat looks, get yourself a gauge mm-hmm. to monitor how well your animal is doing. Mm-hmm. And if you do decide that you want to go all out with a health and wellness journal, but you're not quite sure how to go about it or what exactly to track, please reach out to us. We can definitely help you with that. Yep. Our email is the animal files podcast at gmail.com send us your questions. We'll help you out. We are planning at hopefully sometime this year to have either a template or an actual journal that you can have for your animal. Mm -hmm. That's what we're going to work on this year. That's our intention for the year Uh, (laughs) is to get something like that for you. But if you have any other questions, just give us a quick email, the animal files podcast at Mm gmail.com. We do currently have journals that you can purchase. It doesn't have the categories in them, but you can use these journals for that purpose if you choose to. Yeah, it's just a notebook, but it's got the animal files. So you can know that that is your animal's journal. If you have any questions about that, email us. Or you can join our Facebook group or follow us at our Facebook page. It's the Animal Files Official. The group is the Animal Files community. Just do a search. You'll find us. All the information is there. So let's move on to teeth and gums. It is the one area that a lot of people are afraid of. (laughs) We mentioned this a little bit in the first half connected with grooming because it is a grooming procedure, but it can also be done separately. It's something that generally works a lot better when you can start your animals young so they get used to it, but that doesn't mean you can't do it when they're older. So if you've never done this before with any of your animals, the best thing is going to be to talk to your vet to have them show you how to do this properly. There is something called a COHAT, C-O-H-A-T which stands for Comprehensive Oral Health Assessment and Treatment. This is something that you should be able to schedule with your vet, regardless of whether they've got this specific thing or not. All vets should be able to show you how to take care of your pet's teeth and gums. And if they don't, get a new vet because it's a standard. (laughs) (laughs) It is a standard because guess what, people? And here is one of the main reasons is an animal with poor teeth will have poor health. Mm -hmm. They are connected. It's going to make them sick in ways that are going to be very expensive to treat. Mm -hmm. It can actually be a systemic issue within the entire body. So it's very important to make sure that your animals have healthy teeth. Mm -hmm. Most vets will look at the teeth during the checkup. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be as comprehensive as the cohat but they will give quick once over to see how things are. It's really important. Mm -hmm. And just like what we were talking about with the brushing, if your pet is older and have not experienced this with you, they may not be overly accepting of you putting anything in their mouth. There are ways you can go about this to slowly get them used to it. 
You don't have to do their whole mouth all at once. Taking a finger and just kind of touching their lips or just sort of the front teeth a little bit and see how much they tolerate of that. Only do it to the point they start to show you that they're not tolerating it anymore and then step back. You don't want to push past their toleration level because then you're not going to get to where you want to get to. And food is not going to be the thing. Some of these dental treats and dry food, I'm saying these with air quotes, like you can see them, but (laughs) (laughs) there are a lot of people who are under the assumption that if my animal eats kibble, they're going to have healthy teeth. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you from personal experience, (laughs) that is a myth Mm -hmm. because if your animal is not crunching on the food, they are not getting the benefits of the food. Some of these toys maybe that they have to gnaw on will probably have more of a benefit than feeding kibbles and treats that are for dental health. Mm -hmm. And I doubt that those really clean the teeth all that well. I think the most they might do is maybe massage the gums a little bit. Yeah, which massaging the gums does help. Yes. At least it's something, but always make sure that your vet is looking at your animal's teeth because it is really important part of the animal's health. Mm -hmm. Have you ever taken a pet first aid course before? Mm -hmm. I know I want to do that. Do you? I do. I, I would love to get trained in teaching it. Oh, yeah. I think knowing even a little bit of pet first aid is going to come in handy. So that's the intention for you humans out there. Did you even know that pet first aid existed? (laughs) Some of you may not even be aware that that even exists. It does. Yeah. (laughs) And it is so, so, so important because what if you're out and about with your pet, or even if you're at home with your pet and something happens, they get injured or they get poisoned or something like that. And maybe your vet is not close by, or maybe they're not open right at that moment. Maybe if you don't take some action right at that point, you could lose your animal. Being able to take some first aid prior to being able to get them to the vet could save your pet's life. Yeah. And there's lots of inexpensive courses out there. And even if you've taken it once, it's a good idea to take it every year because information changes, procedures change, processes change. We're always learning better ways of doing things. If you've taken it once, at least you have some knowledge, Mm -hmm. which is better than nothing. But if you go and keep it upgraded each year, then you're going to have a better idea of how to implement these procedures more effectively. Yeah. And then it gets deeper into your little noggin there. Yeah. So it becomes second nature. Right. I don't know about other people, but I know for me, it's like, if I don't know it instinctually, I can go into panic mode and be like, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? What do we do? Oh yeah. Especially if you have the emotions of, oh my gosh, my animal is sick. Oh my gosh, my animal just broke its leg. You're not thinking rationally there, Mm -hmm. but if you have it in your brain and you refresh that knowledge over and over again, then you can automatically take the right actions. And we're slowly moving more into holistic and integrative care for both humans and animals. Mm -hmm. Some people may not be very open to that, but do yourself a favor and look into it more, learn more about it. Try to get more of an understanding of what it is and how it could benefit your pet and try not to just shut it down and be like, no, I like the old way and that's all there is to it. (laughs) Of course, I do have to say, because I'm a snarky little one, you're basically going back to the old way by going more holistic and integrative. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Our current veterinary system is actually the new way of doing things. But yeah, I digress. I just had to be snarky there for a little bit. (laughs) But the cool thing is this is here and it's going to stay and it's just going to be more prevalent. More vets are going to be using integrative treatments. More vets are going to learn more about holistic. It's coming. So accept it, learn about it. So you can actually benefit from it. There's even companies out there that will cover 
integrative veterinary care. Mm-hmm. So maybe an intention would be investing in health insurance for your animal. And if your animal is young enough, it's really not that expensive. More companies now are allowing some pre-existing conditions. There are still some bugs in the whole pet health insurance arena, but it's here and it's getting better and better each year. So that's a good focus. That's a good intention to look at as we start 2022. See what health insurances are available in your area. From experience, it saves a ton of money. Right. And of course, where we're coming from is we're talking more about in North America, because that's what we're familiar with. So what is available might be very different in other countries. If you're from another country and you're listening to this, you'll have to probably do some of your own research and find out whether these options are available to you. Yeah. And hopefully as we move slowly into the future, pet health insurance will be more widely available as we move forward. Mm -hmm. But definitely research it because it will save you thousands of dollars. I can't even tell you how much money it saved us, especially as our animals get older. It really, really helps. It helps with an emergency situation. I cannot talk more highly about health insurance for your animals. Mm -hmm. And if you can't get the health insurance, get it. A lot of people are struggling now. Maybe intend to start putting a little bit of money away each month. So you have an emergency savings account just for your animal. Mm -hmm. It will help you. Yeah. With a savings account, you can choose how much you would want to put in there. Even if it ends up being like two or $5 a month, every little bit helps. Yeah. And it will help you give your animal the best medical care or at least a leg up. Mm -hmm. Veterinary services are expensive for a lot of people, but they are vital. And if you want to have a healthy animal and you want your animal to be with you for a long time, you need to put their health first. So do what you need to do to get your animal the medical care necessary. So let's move on to environment. This one's pretty easy. We talk about this all the time. So what are some of the little changes that we can do in 2022? Hey, that rhymed. To help our animals and ourselves. We want our animals to be comfortable, not just physically, but also mentally, emotionally, all of these things. We want to try to, at least I would hope, that everyone would want to try to keep their animals safe, reduce their stress, and just generally be happy. So one of the things you can look at is evaluate your living spaces, both the living space that you're in as well as living spaces specific for your animals. We have talked about this before, but three of the key areas is where is their feeding area, where is their sleeping area, and where is their bathroom area? If any of these are in a high traffic area, they're not going to be able to really feel relaxed. So you want to make sure that these are in an area where they can feel relaxed when they're doing these things. Kitchens may not be the best area, especially if you've got maybe a large family, you know, where there's people always coming and going out of the kitchen. Perhaps a dining room area might be better, or maybe you have an area that's more specific for your animals. Maybe a laundry room or some kind of spare room or additional room that you can put it in. But you want to make sure that it's going to be comfortable in terms of temperature, noise level, where it's not going to feel like they're being isolated or anything like that. So there's a lot of different things to consider when thinking about their living spaces. And don't put these things in a dirty, dank basement. Mm -hmm. You need to also take into account where the animal spends most of its time. You don't want your cat having to walk a quarter of a mile relative to the animal just to go to the bathroom. So if you don't have a space outwardly open where you can say, well, that's perfect, then you find a way to create a space. Mm. You want it away from the hubbub busyness of the family, but you also want it where they spend the most time because then they'll drink the amount of water that they need. 
They'll eat the amount of food they need. They will use the, the litter box instead of peeing on your clothes that you left on the floor. You know, think of yourself. If you were them, would you want to walk halfway across the house just to go to the bathroom? Probably not. Mm-hmm. And how do you make it safe for them as well? Exactly. You know, with cats or smaller animals, rabbits or whatever, are there spaces that they could get into where they could get stuck or injured somehow? Are there things that you've got laying around the house that could end up causing them harm? You know, maybe it's substance that they could ingest that could poison them, or maybe it's something like elastic band where they could swallow them and they end up getting an obstruction. Evaluate what is around your home that your pets could get into. And this means thinking about it from an animal's perspective, not from a human perspective. Mm-hmm. Think if you were an animal, what would be interesting to you? Yeah, again, pay attention to your animal and use your animal as your gauge. My cat will eat strings, so she does not have access to. Use your foresight to say, oh, if my cat eats a bunch of that string, I'm going to be going to the vet and the animal is going to have to have their intestines cut open to get it out. Mm-hmm not to be dark and dreary, but that is the way you have to look at some of these things. If your dog destroys tennis balls, we've mentioned that tennis balls are highly toxic on the inside. Mm -hmm. Don't leave a destroyed tennis ball around. Use your animal as a gauge as to what is going to be safe or what's not and do the things to keep those animals safe. Right. Because I know another example is some dogs like to tear apart paper. Some of them will swallow the paper And some of them just simply want to tear it apart. And that's all they're interested in. Again, knowing that if you're going to allow them to do something like that, don't let them do it on their own. Make sure that you are there watching them. So if you do see them start swallowing the paper, you can get it away from them right away. Yeah, absolutely. Same with a lot of these toys. You don't want to allow them to play with them unobserved. I've cut up all the tails off of all of my cats play mice because she would chew on them and swallow the tail. Mm -hmm. So I just cut the tails off. (laughs) Then the mice last forever. (laughs) (laughs) Environment's really important. So wherever you can make a change within the animal's environment to make it safer, add that to your list. What are some of the other things? Mm -hmm. Because we're here at the end of the show. We've talked about medical. We've talked about environment. We've talked about well-being. We've talked about exercise. What are some things that we can put some energy behind to help our animals be safer in 2022. How many of you have a microchip, a tattoo, and or tags for your pet? If you don't have at least one of those, go get one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's your 1% change right there. (laughs) I love that. Go get one. Oh. <laughs> if you do, have you checked to make sure the information is accurate? Right. If you haven't, go do that. Yes. So yeah, make sure that you are verifying that everything is up to date. So not only is it correct in that they put the information in the system correctly, but if you've moved or if any information has changed your phone number or anything like that, then if your animal does get lost and brought to a facility where they can scan, if your information is not correct, they're not going to be able to reach you. And then it ends up being pointless having these things. You know, usually when you get a microchip, you will be given a piece of paper with the information of the company that the microchip is with. You can contact that company. You don't contact the veterinarian facility or wherever it was that you got the microchip. You contact the company that the microchip is through and you talk to them to verify what information they have and make sure that it's correct. With pet licensing tags, when you go to renew your license, they've got your information in the system as well. So Even though the information isn't specifically on the tag itself, it's usually just a number, still make sure that they have the current information for you. Then they can track that number and they would still be able to contact you if the animal ends up in an animal care and control facility or humane society or someplace like that. 
Yeah. And some places don't require you to have a license, but there are many places like PetSmart's Petco, not sponsored, that actually have these machines that you can get a little tag Mm -hmm. that has a telephone number. Make sure that is up to date. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't need a license in your state or province, maybe just get an ID tag. Right. And there are companies out there that will create unique individual tags for you that will have the information on there. But be careful with those in the sense that they don't keep your information in a system like they do with a microchip or a licensing tag or something like that. So if something changes, you can't contact this company and say, oh, change this information in my system. You would simply have to just order a new tag with them with the updated information. Good to know. I hope you guys are writing all of a sudden your notebooks. (laughs) This is important stuff. All right. So here is one really easy thing that we can do to help our animals stay safe. And we can do that today. And that is check the condition of your animal's toys. That's a very easy, quick way to make that 1% change or to put a little energy behind your New Year's intentions to help your animal be safe. Take out the ones that are falling apart, clean out the clutter. And toys that have been chewed on and chewed on are probably really disgusting. So you might want to replace them. (laughs) Yeah. And depending on how many toys you have for your animal too, they might appreciate getting a new toy here and there. Yes. But if you've already got like a huge collection, maybe they won't really care that much. (laughs) I know. I have an entire living room full of toys for my cat. (laughs) (laughs) We told Santa not to bring any this year. So (laughs) she did not get anything new for Christmas. (laughs) Except her sweater. I know, except the sweater. (laughs) And she was not happy about that. Oh, yes. Um, Anyway, yeah, that's my cat. (laughs) But (laughs) if they're not using it, toss it. If they never played with it in months, toss it. Get rid of the ones that are frayed and falling apart and get rid of the ones that are so saturated in saliva that they're disgusting and you don't want to touch them. Get them a new one. They'll appreciate it. And lastly, what is the most important thing we can do in 2022 to help prepare us and our animals to be more safe? Well, I don't know if it's necessarily the most important, but it is definitely a very important thing. Well, I think it depends on where you live. Maybe that's it. I suppose. Yeah, because there's there's a lot of natural disasters and stuff that are going on right now throughout the world. Yeah. Create an emergency disaster and evacuation plan if you don't already have one in place and practice it. It's not enough to just simply have something sort of written on paper and be like, oh, well, this is what we're going to do if this happens. Because when push comes to shove, how likely are you going to actually remember that plan when something actually happens. You need to be able to practice it with your animal. So if you needed to get your animal onto a leash or into a carrier, if there's an emergency, your animals could go into panic mode. But if you practice the situation with them before it actually is an emergency, then when the actual situation comes, they'll be able to feel more relaxed because they're like, oh, I'm familiar with this. We've done this before. So think about what is it that you need to do to prepare for an emergency disaster and evacuation. Do you have a go bag for your animal? Right. They always tell you to have a 72 hour kit. Maybe you can build one this year for your animal with food, Mm -hmm. water, litter, all of the things. And if you have a little extra money, There's plenty of pet emergency kits that you can get on Amazon, not sponsored. But as far as getting your emergency disaster and evacuation plan, especially if you live in a sensitive area, make sure you have a go bag for your animal. But it's not only just what you are going to do in preparation to leave your home. It's also where are you going to go? Oh, good one. Yep. Do you have a friend or a family that you have communicated with that have said, yeah, if something happens, you can come and stay with us? Is there an emergency shelter that you would be able to go to that allows animals? Because not all of them do. 
Is there a hotel or someplace like that that you could go to that allows animals? Is there a veterinarian or boarding facility somewhere that is outside of the emergency area that you could go to if you had to leave your animal somewhere because they couldn't stay wherever it is that you're going to? So a little bit of planning ahead of time can go a long way. Absolutely. I think that's a really good resolution to have for 2022. Yes. <laughs> and I think if we took the little tiny steps, we're going to be setting ourselves up and our animals up for success in a big way, because little steps turn into big steps. If you appreciate what we have been sharing with you for this past year, if you would like to support us, we do have merchandise that you can look into getting. We have the link on our Facebook page, the Animal Files business page. We have hoodies, t-shirts, notebooks, a bunch of different other things. So I should be able to get the link up to our website. That's the animalfilespodcast.com. And we are going to set up our Patreon page. So if you want to continue to support independent radio and you support what we do, we'd love to have you as our patrons. So that's it for us today. Happy New Year, and I hope all of you have a great 2022. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.